1: Rest inside a for you lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubble. Which we hear from John and Way tay Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, are opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock alongside Mr.
0: Waiting. Hello, Wei. Hello, John. And again, happy birthday to you. Thank For at you. least an hour and a half more.
2: Well, I turned uh, 38 this morning. Um, at eight o'clock, I, you know, 38 is going to be a great year. I thought I was like 42 by the time Dynamite was was over. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way. But dude, there was so much on this show. This might have been
0: like the most Dynamite episode of Dynamite. I can't even tell anymore, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, this was, I will say, a show. Like, between this and then, like, the craziness of, of the, the t-shirt, like, I I had to re-watch segments of this show in between the commercial breaks. So, I had no time to pause whatsoever to the point where, like, it got to, like, with that match, it got to, like, one of the matches towards the end where just, like, I had to tune out. I'm sorry. Like, I needed to meditate. You know, just to kind of calm myself from, from my mind going crazy trying to keep up with notes for this show.
2: This it, it was too much on, on this show. Like when and I'm just talking like angles and like that main event, I'm sitting there and I am going back to the first segment with Jericho and Kingston and the hangman match, and that may as well in my mind have been last week's episode. Like that's the distance I felt. Do you remember when Jeff Hardy debuted? I, I think that happened um at like chapter three of
0: uh, Lord of the Rings tonight. Yeah. It was like, but but it, again, like I I I don't like if I was somebody who was just watching and and not taking notes and not doing a podcast, like maybe I would love this, you know. Um, and I think I would actually like. But would it, you remember it all at the end?
2: Like you're you're gonna remember Jeff Hardy. You're gonna remember
0: the key things. Um, I just
2: I just look at it and I I just think it was. I don't think we needed three title matches on this show. I think mm-hmm. I think those could have been especially
0: spared. when they weren't promoted ahead of time.
2: It was a very interesting tactic on Tony Khan because they had, coming out of this, we knew the the TNT title match and the Thunder Rosa-Layla Hirsch match. And then today it was announced, like, all of the promotion was designed for day of. And that may turn out to be very effective. Instead of doing this week in advance, it's kind of a last-minute buzz and it builds it up. I think everyone was expecting Jeff Hardy. So you had already that that interest and let's load this up with all of this stuff we're going to throw at you. And they
0: yeah. threw that and then some at you. I I almost felt though it was too last minute. It was so last minute. I wait, almost wait. The tag it
2: title time. match was announced w- less than an hour
0: before they went on the uh, air. Yo, I mean, I had I was having dinner and like I between the hours of like you know four o'clock to like eight o'clock, I'm trying not to watch any wrestling before I do it for the rest of the night. So like, I had no idea until I logged on right before the start of the show.
2: Yeah, I like a, a small thing to me is that I. I would have liked to have seen, like, Swerve have, like, a bigger presence on this show. Like, I know he's wrestling on Friday, but I do almost feel that, like, he comes in and it's like, okay, he's wrestling on Rampage. It's already sort of like he's moving He's
0: already yesterday's news. That's
2: kind of how it feels like when you have a brand new toy that's coming in three days after the last toy. Mm -hmm. I really would have preferred that the tag title program, uh, like, to me, I sometimes there's storyline reasons, like... Hangman, you wanted on this show to set up the six man. Okay, you you could you can move things around. The tag title match, I think a Swerve match like gets eight minutes. He came off so well on the pay per view that I wanted more than just a backstage promo, and it does kind of position guys to your audience that maybe AEW is not looking at our A and B show, but your audience sure is. And I I just would have liked to have seen Swerve. Be more than just a backstage segment. And, dude, I do not know how Tony Schiavone was standing at the end of the show. He must have interviewed half the roster tonight on the show.
0: He must have walked back and forth, like, from the ring to the to his seat. Um, got Regal bringing him to
2: tears in, like, segment three. He's like, oh, my God, I got, like, 84 more promos tonight to, to conduct. And this guy's just breaking me here on national television.
0: They have a continuously growing roster, and they have stories for every single person. Or at least they're trying to make stories for every, every single person on these TV shows.
2: So uh, we are going to be going into uh, Dynamite, and uh just want to let everybody know that we, we did put out Rewind Away on Tuesday night, a review of TNA Hardcore Justice 2012 featuring Jeff Hardy.
0: Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, the tables Jeff- match. Uh, it's going to be a lot of Jeff Hardy on Rewind Away coming up.
2: Uh, that's right, because our next Rewind Away will be the Supercard of Honor show from 2017 that featured the Young Bucks versus the Hardys the night before... The Hardys returned at WrestleMania 33.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're a Jeff Hardy fan, um, we got you covered.
2: Yes. Uh, so that is up there for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com. Of course, the uh, Post Wrestling Cafe members get a minimum two bonus shows per week. You also, uh, for the post-daily news show, if you'd like to just listen to the show, when you sign up for the cafe, you get a custom RSS feed. And that gives you the audio version of the daily news show that we do each and every weekday at 1 Eastern. And we're going to be having uh, several guests on this week. We are going to be having on Thursday uh, a gaming reporter, Mike Straw, who just did a report on uh, Fightful Select this week. And we're going to be chatting with him about the release of the WWE 2K22 game. And not so much going into the nuts and bolts of the game itself, but more so uh, why this is such an important release for WWE. And uh, two non-gaming experts in me and Wei uh, interviewing a gaming reporter. So I'm looking forward to that because I think this is a big release for the company and coming off like a pretty tumultuous last, uh, 2k release from WWE.
0: Hmm. Yeah, me too. I mean, as somebody who hasn't really been following any of it, I'd love to know what the, what the early reviews might be for a game like this and what it means for 2k and WWE's relationship.
2: Uh, so look out for that on Thursday live at one Eastern time. Uh, but let's, uh, get into dynamite and, uh, Opening up the show, uh, we've got stored dot dot
0: com. Jeez, I I leapt out of my seat. You know this was awesome. Um, of course, Eddie Kingston, uh, a few days ago or maybe a week ago, it seems tweeted about. I mean, he's always tweeting out. You know things to do with All Japan Pro Wrestling in the nineties. It's clearly his favorite wrestling. He, you know, he he he. It's in his wrestling offense. It's in his tights. And uh, a few days ago, he tweeted out something about uh, the June Akiyama episode of the Long Winding Road Road, WH Park's AW, uh, All Japan 90s retrospective that's heard right on this podcast feed. And uh, I believe WH reached out to him and yeah, um, we sent him a shirt and there it was on the TV just a few days later. Look at that. So, you know, you you got a big angle to shoot. You know what to wear. Exactly. Absolutely. com. uh support the great work of WH w. Park.
2: You know, I was watching this and when he came out, like it was the first time I got like a real good look of this shirt on a on a physical human being. I was like yeah, mm-hmm. it looks really good. Like the uh, the the it's like four faces but they all uh stand out in a nice way. Like it's yeah, a very I mean, nicely designed shirt.
0: It's it's a play off of the uh the long winding road uh, Beatles design from um their album
2: well, it looks, uh, it looks fantastic. I don't even have one of these. So it's, a,
0: well, it's I, a hot
2: shirt. I don't know if I'll be able to get one.
0: I mean, I think you should ask um, a certain person. Well will hook you up.
2: Well, folks, uh, That That's your hookup. So Jericho is the first one out, and he calls Revolution one of the greatest nights of his career. His neck is sore, but it was one of his best matches ever. He thanks Eddie Kingston. It awakened something inside of him, something he thought did not exist any longer, But I didn't live up to my word and my word is everything. The crowd is chanting shake his hand. He wants to pay that debt to Eddie Kingston and invites him out. Kingston comes out shirt and all and he says he's going to get very real here. He wasn't going to show up at the pay-per-view. He wanted to drink and let that poison eat him up because he doubted if he could win the big one. Jericho had gotten into his head and he lists off all the big matches he has had in AEW and losing all of them. He was afraid. But I was not going to miss this pay-per-view because of four people he met at the Fan Fest on Saturday that said that because of his Players' Tribune article, it saved their life. And he went back, and he's not ashamed to say he cried in the hotel room after that match because he wanted to make those four people proud. And the whole crowd is chanting Eddie. This was phenomenal.
0: It was. And, I mean, I think what makes this man so special, you know, besides his his taste in T-shirts is um his ability to just just sound so incredibly authentic and i have no doubt everything he said was the complete truth um and i think it's why the crowd connects so much with him you know um he just comes out and just there's no bullshit about him so yeah
2: the whole crowd is chanting eddie and he asks what inside of you made you not want to shake my hand after that's not a me problem that's a chris jericho problem I dragged out the best Chris Jericho, the man who went to Japan, who competed in the J-Cup, who fought Eddie and Dean, and Jericho proved Kingston and everyone wrong. Or Sorry, Kingston proved Jericho and everyone wrong. He is still the man. Sorry, I'm getting all uh, mixed up here. He was referring to Jericho proving his critics wrong and says that that is not enough, though, to fill that hole in your chest that you can't respect people like me. Jericho says, I do respect you and thanks Eddie Kingston for one of the best matches of his career and offers his hand and they shake hands. When all of a sudden, Daniel Garcia and 2.0 storm down to the ring and they start attacking Santana and Ortiz run down for the save. They're fighting them off and Jericho has his bat, but instead attacks Santana, Ortiz and Kingston joining in with Garcia and 2.0. We have Jake Hager run down. He's freaking out. What's Jericho doing? But then he joins in on the attack, and they beat the hell out of Eddie Kingston. They bring out a timekeeper's table, and Hager is going to powerbomb him off the apron. And, man, was it a struggle as he went to get Eddie up here. He needed some assistance, and then it was a rough landing here as he just pretty much went straight down for this powerbomb through the timekeeper's table and was done on the floor. Jericho and Hager took off their cuts. Put them over top Santana and Ortiz as Jericho anointed themselves. The Jericho Appreciation Society. And that's entertainment. And they all gave the middle fingers. Mm -hmm. GFY.
0: That should be the name of the group.
2: It could be. I wasn't crazy about the name, but maybe I'm not supposed to be crazy (laughs) about the name. But I I thought it was an excellent
0: angle. Fantastic. Fantastic. From the beginning here, I think this segment shows just how much Chris Jericho understands about babyface psychology. He came out here embracing the Judas sing-along. He was smiling. He admitted fault, showed guilt on his face for his actions on Sunday. Reflected
2: the the reaction that the crowd... like. It's not like someone's coming out there with a ho-hum match and overselling it. That was the Mm -hmm. reaction everyone had, that we were literally saying that this could be Jericho's Best AEW match and one of his best matches in years and years. It was, totally, it was it was not him overselling anything, and that instantly you have this uh, like you are on the same wavelength with your audience before you are about to fuck them.
0: Yeah, he was agreeable with us. He took responsibility for his actions, and I also don't think he overdid it. He didn't he didn't come out you know high fiving people. He didn't come out just being like, "Hey, I am a good guy now." Like it was just enough to convince us that. Okay, this is where the angle is going. He is going to become a babyface now. Maybe, you know, mutual respect angle did it just enough to to get us caught off guard before the turn. Uh I thought Jericho was just absolutely great here. Of course, Kingston, you know, with his promo um just kind of further endearing himself to the audience. You know, this this the note about him like kind of talking about um some of his internal struggles. He cut a great promo um, I, I believe after the match, too, that you could find online. But, like, that's some of the material. I, I, I wish they had a bit more time to get into before the match itself. But, you know, clearly this is a program that's going to continue. So I, I'd love to see maybe a continued, you know, um like him trying to continue to to deal with this, with those issues vocally in front of this audience.
2: Yeah, I, I thought this was a great start to the show. Really, really strong and, you know, a major angle here, which I, I've got to say, though, by by the end of the show, like, I... I don't know if this was maybe top of mind for people by the end because there was just so much piled into this show that this felt like a distant memory by the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think the headlines are mainly going to be about like, um, you know, maybe the title change, um, but certainly I think Jeff Hardy is going to grab a lot of headlines, but – you know uh, like w- the moment this was th- this was like the death of the
2: inner circle like pretty mm-hmm. much i mean this was like we pretty- had, we,
0: by the way tully blanchard got fired from NTR. Oh, Did th- you dude, realize? don't
2: even get me started <laughs> like
0: don't even get me started i haven't even thought of that there was a lot yeah absolutely a lot but i, I have a feeling you know you know in in, in in the hours after the show like if you're going going on the message boards and like the, the the good stuff does ultimately kind of filter out and this was one of the good things on the show so now we kind of have our, our, our lines divided right we've got uh kingston Proud and powerful which i i mean fantastic great sammy seems to be off doing his own thing hager uh evidently i mean they could have had everybody break off but they decided hager was still a good fit with jericho and and probably
2: needs the 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 association with jericho i don't see hager going off and doing his own thing
0: and i think you know 2.0 and garcia and jericho benefit from having the muscle as a part of the stable. You know, he's still got a role there. He's most effective as muscle, as part of a group. So I love that he came out and, like, showed a bit of internal struggle. He didn't just, you know, attack somebody blindly. Like, he had to decide between his loyalties right then and there, and he made the decision right then and there to join Chris Jericho. So big elevation for 2.0. I mean, look at this. Squarehead joining with Chris Jericho? You know, who could have seen that well, coming? Well,
2: that would be interesting. Like, you know when when Jericho is, like you know he's going to be very hands on with this stuff and like if you see a, a much more serious tone to
0: 2.0 yeah or maybe they lean into the comedy and you just have like you know like just craziness like with with those three all the time um, Daniel Garcia, I think a lot of people people probably wanted to see him join this Mox and Brian Stable. Um, that's probably not looking like it's it's in the immediate future. But nonetheless, you know maybe that's that's not the best place for Daniel Garcia. Why be a, another technician in a in a team of technicians when you can be the sole technician to go head to head with somebody like a Brian?
2: So the next uh, segment saw um, a recap of CM Punk and MJF's dog collar match and post match comments from CM Punk that if anyone in the locker room really wants the old CM Punk, uh, you've got what you wish for. He had detoxed himself of these ghosts, didn't want to go back to this place, uh, but that Punk is dead. Long live CM Punk. And I will say, on this show, with how much there was, I thought it was a very strong positive that this was the only representation of that Punk MJF uh, program. Keep them off mm-hmm. this week. They should be selling the effects of Sunday, and that would have just been... Forcing way too much. I was glad this program at least has some breathing room and it was limited to this uh, 30, 45 seconds.
0: And and you're taking advantage of the strongest visual to come out of like that. That that, that could be attached to this feud. And that's a bloody CM Punk talking. Uh, That's all you really needed. And and it was accomplished in a short amount of time.
2: So our first of three championship matches was Hangman Page against Dante Martin announced at about, I don't know, six o'clock. Uh, so we had uh, two hours for Dante to get ready, the number two ranked uh, singles competitor. And they had a nice match here. Martin did a reverse cross off the middle rope and then was caught with a away slam. They went through uh, picture in picture. Martin landed a missile drop kick and then sent uh, Paige out, landing a moonsault off the middle turnbuckle. Martin comes off the top and it's countered with a, a Liger bomb in midair by Hangman Page, and there's a series of counters on the floor. They're bouncing all over the place, and it ends with Martin going for a springboard. He's shoved into the ring and nailed with the buckshot, and Page pins him in 7 minutes and 33 seconds.
0: A uh, very good match, of course, as you would expect. You know, um, this seemed to be, I mean, the, the the rankings worked out, of course, but it also just seemed to be a way to cap off a Dante Martin singles run which has been absolutely fantastic so far. Um, something that nobody really, I think, expected after his his brother got injured. And, you know, you had Hangman call attention to it, which was really nice.
2: Uh, Shabani got into the ring with Hangman Page, and he calls Dante back to the ring and puts him over for getting a title shot after a tough year without his brother at his side and puts him over as hard-hitting, fast, And he would be happy to have another match with him one day down the road. So really put over Dante here at the end. And then Adam Cole interrupts, says the page is not untouchable. And I took you to the limit. It was a fluke on Sunday. Anyone can get lucky once, but you won't get lucky again. So he proposes next week a six-man tag. And I'm going to make your life a living hell as his days as champion are numbered. It seemed like Paige was, was perfectly ready to put this title on the line again. And then Cole, like, throws him, like, six-man tag. and Okay, sure, we'll, we'll do a
0: six-man. But, I mean, in AEW, don't you have to abide by the rankings? You know, like, don't you have to, like, go through some hoops? Like, doesn't he have to tell Tony, hey, like, can I get a title eliminator? Then maybe he can get the shot.
2: I, I, I don't know how it works. Like, maybe, maybe he could have just had uh, a title eliminator, like, like Thunder Rosa got, and, you're right. And yeah, he could be right back in there. Where are, do we have new ranking? The new rankings came out today, and we've got uh, ranked. Okay, Wardlow is first. Dante is second. Adam Cole is third. Lance Archer is fourth, and Powerhouse Hobbs is fifth.
0: Okay, so I mean, he's third. He can't. He can't just challenge. Okay.
2: Maybe this uh, six man is a way to get there. I guess so. So there's some strategy behind this. So there you go. They're each going to find teammates for next week and a six-man tag at St. Patrick's Day Slam.
0: Yeah, with the tease that Cole, Cole at least at this point, was teasing that the Bucks would, would be. Yes, that's what partners. you were
2: led to believe. The idea that you, you might get uh, the Bucks and Red Dragon on opposite sides tag team match Brian Danielson and John Moxley together with William Regal who was promoted as as William Regal uh, on this show we had been hearing like Tony Khan constantly refer to him as Lord Regal but they were going ahead here with with William Regal like they did on Sunday
0: yeah interesting i mean they they must have cleared i mean he must have cleared something at some point
2: so this was regal's first appearance on TBS since like early 2000 like 22 years since he's been on TBS
0: early 2000
2: Yes, this was before he, so he had gone to the WWF as the man's man in Mm -hmm. 98 and then got fired and went back to WCW in 99 and that run lasted, he he was there like exactly a year and then left like February 2000 and then would go back to WWF.
0: Well, I actually believe he was, he had a segment, I believe on the simulcast with Nitro and Raw because he was the GM oh, at the time. You're right,
2: you're right, you're right. Good call.
0: And Tony, in fact, it was Tony who like, I, like it was. I mean, that was, would be
2: TNT, but nonetheless. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. Well, whatever. I T- Turner Show, but but what's what's interesting from what I remember was like it was like it was Regal making some sort of disparaging remark about WCW, like as part of Raw, and then it was like I think it was Tony Schiavone picking up the the broadcast and having something to say about Regal. So correct me if I'm wrong chat room on that. But anyway, it's interesting to see the two of them back together and clearly very good friends.
2: Yeah. As I recall, the way it worked out was that when his WCW deal ended, he was like signed by WWE like the next day. It was like immediate that they, 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 they signed him because it, it had always been like the legend was that, you know, that Benoit match he did at the Brian Pillman Memorial won him his job back, but he had already been signed going into that. But that was the match that really opened everyone's eyes of just this, um, this big Renaissance for Regal, who, I mean, if you, if you read his book, like it was some dark times that this guy got through and that Hmm. I I would think a lot of people would not be able to get through. It is, uh, it is a miraculous story. So he's uh, in the corner of Danielson and Moxley and their opponents, the work horsemen of JD Drake and Anthony Henry. Um, Regal comes down. His, his facial expressions were great here. He's just walking down the ramp. He's shaking his head at these, <laughs> these two fools that have decided to be the first victims for Danielson and Moxley. And, uh, th- this was great. It was, unfortunately, it was only four minutes, but it was still a hell of a fun four minutes that they had. Moxley just stomps down JD Drake in the corner. Danielson is attacking with kicks. They announced that, uh, because the page, uh, Dante Martin match was given a 60 minute time limit and ended so early. We're going to add Wheeler, Utah versus pack. Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Amazing. Like this is, it's just ridiculous. Like the depth that they can just throw a match like that together that I was very intrigued by when they just denounced it. So that, that we got um like 10 minutes notice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh No. Interesting philosophy that, you know, they're, they're using it really is just like it, it's 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 car crash tv without like really being car crashes i guess it's more like you know actually it's like good driving but really fast and really abundant yeah, dude
2: this is an f1 race okay that, <laughs> yeah. that's what this is it's like it's like you have just a plethora you have like yeah. 80 world-class engines that are yeah. all going at tip-top speed and you're just they're whizzing by but they're yeah. all like world-class and you're yeah. just trying to pay attention and hope mm. that there's there's no collision
0: and by the way we have an open spot let's throw 10 more cars in there
2: yeah yeah we just we just found uh michael <laughs> schumacher was just in town so he's gonna enter the race yeah. so anyway they announce uh the match and then Uh, There's a surfboard on Henry Moxie comes in biting his face, hits an X-Plex, and then Drake and Moxie start chopping one another. Moxie fires up with a lariat and hits a dive onto Henry, Busaiku knee on Drake, and then Danielson stomps the head, LaBelle lock, and submits Drake in four minutes and just the smirk on Regal's face. Like, my God, look at these two men. Um... Entertaining yeah. four minutes,
0: very entertaining. I mean, four minutes was all you really needed. This was our first like we. I didn't even think we were going to get a match this early. So really, it, it was just something to wet our appetites, just to kind of see what their chemistry was like, and it's really good. But it, I also thought Anthony Henry was really good. Let's not forget that here. You know, here, here's a guy who like I mean severely I'm sure underutilized talent when being in the ring with him, him and Brian together. I'm sure was like you know a real thrill for him. I don't know. If I, I thought JD Drake, Drake
2: was like a great like just you know punching bag for for danielson and moxley like Mm -hmm. i i thought you know it was again it was four minutes they didn't have like the greatest opportunity to do a lot here but i thought they maximized what they had here
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: so shivani gets into the ring and goes to interview regal and regal explains it's been 29 years since he came to america he's lived a hard life with battles in the ring and with himself and I am not long for this world, uh, referencing that it won't be long before my wife has to wheel me to the the old folks' home, and he is here to be with these incredible gentlemen. And he starts to tear up, thanking Tony Shavani. He's like, "I would like to thank you because when I first came here, you helped me." And this was like a really emotional moment for these two, and it felt like uh, Tony had no idea this was coming, and maybe it was just a like spur of the moment. Thing by Regal to, you know, thank Tony Schiavone, because then he has to get back to business here explaining this team coming together and his link to them. He said he's no longer required in his old job. And for the last two months, I checked out of this industry when I was told that Danielson had mentioned my name on Dynamite. It piqued my interest and I started to watch and I found out that my friend of 21 years is going to fight this man, John Moxley. And most people only know me now because of this man, Brian Danielson. I am here to help people become better professional wrestlers. And Brian Danielson is the perfect wrestler, the wrestler that I should have been, but he didn't have the problems I had. And he goes over their history, training through all hours and how much of a, of a sponge Danielson was, um, soaking up all of his knowledge. And then 11 years ago, I met this man, this rogue and. The physical and psychological issues we had with one another would make the devil cry and cause this the perfect combination and gives warning to any team, you will not like the
0: outcome. Step up or get stepped on. Fantastic, lovely. You know, I have a feeling maybe like, <laughs> I, I wonder if like you know how much time he was actually allotted because a lot of this seemed very freeform and it, it-, it felt like he just went
2: and went because yeah. uh, this, this was like a lengthy. Yeah, promo and it. And it, what, it, it you, they hit the music at the end. Like I yeah. think they wanted to wrap this
0: because, like, I felt like he he probably had a bit more to say about Mox because he went so pretty long on Brian, and I yes. was looking forward to him actually telling me about the Mox connection. But nonetheless, like it felt incredibly oh. He's organic. He's like, I went,
2: I went to Bloodsport with this guy in 2019, <laughs> and we sat in the rafters together.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, we were there. Yeah, we we remember that scene. Anyway, um, but you know, like, how long has it been since we've been able to hear Willi- William Regal speak like organically? That was. Well, it well a- think
2: about this. When was the last time Regal did an, a true unscripted promo? I dude, I probably. Like by the uh, time when? he came Tell into me. WWE, they were into like scripting yeah. by 2000. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, he was the com- as the commissioner, you're not cutting promos like um, anytime in your in the you're in the WWE, you're not really cutting this sort of promo. And in NXT, I mean, he he you know he was very effective in the role, but didn't certainly but quick didn't.
2: quick statements. Like yeah. he, he was never given like you know go out there for for ten minutes or something like that. Like it was quick and war games. That was it.
0: Yeah. And by the way, John, great, great recap here as Aaron in the chat room says, great recap of the promo. Um, but yeah, like, and, and I'll tell you what, it's it, the thing is, for so long, we've heard, oh, Brian Danielson, uh, like everybody cites Shawn Michaels, like in the WWE, like it's always oh, uh, Brian Danielson, a former student of Shawn Michaels. But Brian Danielson himself will tell you that, like, his, the greatest influence in his wrestling career was William Regal. But we never got that story told to us in the WWE because, like, what incentive would they have to promote William Regal, right? We finally got that story on TV here from William Regal himself. And I'm sure there's a whole lot more story to be told about uh, that. Relationship. He
2: only trained, like, with Sean. Like, he, he graduated high school. So you're talking like June. His first match is in October. So, I mean, like, that's kind of the time that he's at, like, the Texas Wrestling Academy. And it was, like, Mm -hmm. it was an impressive class he was part of. But it was, like, a relatively short period that he was uh, training there. And then out on – and then just out going around. And it was, you know, several years before he, like, started to to really gain a name for himself by, like, you know, 01.
0: Yeah, so we're getting this tag team. Do you think that it expands into a stable, John, and – um, how long of a team do you think this for, is this for now?
2: I kind of just like this. Like he, he threw out like the, the perfect combination, the, per, the incredible gentleman. Like I think there's like a few names you could go by. I hmm. kind of like just the team for now. Like they weren't really emphasizing like the recruitments at this point, which is something you can. Uh, add at some point like regal did say i'm here to train people to become better professional wrestlers you could open that door but i hope they establish the team first before we start adding more uh, to it because i think this is like a still an act you want to kind of establish and just let them run roughshod on this tag division
0: it's an interesting choice of of names i mean obviously the real life connection kind of makes a lot of sense but i mean this is almost already an all-star team, right? You have two top guys who can not only... um, I mean, they're main eventers who, who can really go in the ring, but they can also talk as well on their own. So to add William Regal on top of it, it's almost like you know, um, like a supergroup where somebody, you know, like of three lead guitarists who could talk on the mic, all talk on the microphone, and two of them having a, you know, play rhythm because, you know, like we're we're letting, you know, William Regal cut uh, a solo or something. Um, this is so, why Wayne and I never started a band together. <laughs> we would just we would override each other's talents. But I'm curious to know, like how how they play with their dynamic, you know, especially on the microphone. Does mock speak a bit less now, now that you kind of have William Regal do the talking? Or do they find an interesting dynamic and, and do they emphasize different character points of each one?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot to explore with this. I think it's like a really entertaining combination. I think it really goes. It, it's almost like a tag version of, you know, like, um, you know, Nick Bockwinkle and Bobby Heenan where it was like two phenomenal talkers mm-hmm. or like even like the modern day, like the Heyman Punk combination where it just here are two incredible talkers, in this case three, but it's like. It's like these elite level performers that are all together. Um, I, mm-hmm. I just think it's a great addition to the tag division, which is already loaded. And now you're adding this to the mix. So I think there's many different ways you can go. And and when you're ready, then you can have like the pupil that, that comes in. And just by that connection, it elevates a Lee Moriarty or whoever you want to isolate in the
0: future. We're, we are at the stage now uh, in AEW where there's so much talent even in the singles main event role that Tony Khan can shove a Brian Danielson and a John Moxley into the tag team division just to make room, you know, for other people in in the singles division.
2: It's, it's wild. So Marvez is with, uh, even Marvez got a workout on this show. He's with dark order and hangman shows up and says the temper, his temper got the best of him. When he shoved Alex Reynolds on Sunday, he screwed up. He, he apologizes. And then silver just asked. So, uh, which two are you going to pick for, for next week? And he's throwing out combinations. And Paige says, well, I kind of ran into a uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, and they want to get their hands on the Young Bucks again. So, uh, I think I'm going to go with them. And it's this awkward exchange. And the fact is, um, he's just not that into them anymore. He's, he's moving on. I, I, I would contend he never
0: was. You know, like, I mean, this is not the first time we've seen the Dark Order try to win Paige's affections. And even when they helped him win the championship, I mean, Paige didn't call them back, you know, like just, just, I I mean, I think at some point, and it seems like this might be it where I think the Dark Order has to move on.
2: Are you saying that Paige is leaving them hanging? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wheeler Utah against Pack. Um fortunately a lot of this uh happened during the break. We had the best friends in Utah's corner. Dan Housen was out there as well. Um n- nice for what for what it was. Um it le- led up to this massive superplex by Pack that looked brutal. And speaking of which, finished him with the brutalizer in 544. So this was this was kind of just a uh, this was as much as you got as like a cool down match with a uh, Pack
0: and Wheeler Utah. I suppose so, yeah. Um I, I honestly, I feel like most matches, even like there aren't really filler matches when we're talking about AEW Dynamite, a show as dense as AEW Dynamite. So uh, a bit perplexing that they they would decide of all matches to put this match on because I didn't see any sort of, you know, storyline point to it.
2: There was you know, no like, storyline to it. Like Chuck Taylor was looking concerned over Wheeler Ute at the end, but that was about the about it. Mm-hmm. So the Cutler Cam, Way's favorite segment of the week the Young Bucks are with Red Dragon and Adam Cole. And Cole says that Revolution was not the best night for any of them. The Bucks blame Red Dragon for not winning the tag titles. And Cole says he's going to change all that. And he's about to announce his partners for next week. Guys who like the party, who have a history with Page And Matt Jackson cuts them off saying they don't want anything to do with Hangman Page. And Cole says, well, I wasn't going to pick you. I was going to pick Kyle and Bobby Fish, the party animals. So that is who <laughs> Cole is going to be teaming with next week. So Cole... O'Reilly and Fish against Hangman, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, which should be great. Should be, yeah. Marvez is with FTR. They have just been eliminated in two consecutive battle royals. So what are you guys going to do? Dax says how pro wrestling was his first love up until he got married and then had his children. And they have to challenge Red Dragon. And Tully interrupts. He doesn't want any part of this Red Dragon bullshit. We're about winning championships. And it gets so heated that Cash Wheeler, he's cashing out. Tully is fired. Cut.
0: Tully is gone, yeah. So um, so on this episode, not to get ahead of ourselves, but, I mean, Tully is out, presumably out from FTR and from the Pinnacle. Warlow is no longer in the Pinnacle. Is the Pinnacle even a thing anymore?
2: Uh, no, it feels like it's... Um Spears. Probably going to be like MJF and Spears. Although, like, I think that this whole Wardlow thing is going to be like, he is going to be held to this contract. They are going to do right. like, um, they're going to play out like the worst case for Francis Ngannou only he he doesn't have a sunset clause, okay? It's going to be, you have like a champions. They should actually have a champions clause in MJF's contract oh, where he yeah. wins a title. It just rolls over for X amount of <laughs> infinite years and he's making, uh, well, we have established he's making good money here, but I see this totally being like, they are going to hold him to a contract, which I think wrestling fans can totally get into a story like that. of someone being held, uh, they're going to do like Mustafa Ali. No,
0: yeah sure yeah yeah okay yeah so, but anyway
2: tully, I, I took this as like potentially like your your tully write-off like i don't know that as fact but that's hmm. kind of how this felt like it was very abrupt unless you're gonna put tully with someone else but man you have no shortage of managers and this just felt very um unless you're gonna put tully with like red dragon or something like that
0: i don't know uh, to me that that's sort of my thought i mean i think tully is is great he's not somebody who i would well, then again, there, there are so many people on the show. But I, again, I think Tully, I don't think he was used to his full potential. This guy never gets to cup promos. He never. Yeah. This was the most he's talked in forever. Yeah, yeah. So I think he could be better utilized with somebody else who needs him. And maybe this is what that is. There was like, I mean, they based this entire promo about family. And obviously it was Dax talking about his family. But then Tully kind of mentioning, oh, yeah, he yeah, has we, his family. He has his family, too. So does that make you think?
2: Uh, that he's going to be bringing in um, Magnum TA. <laughs> uh,
0: that that would be interesting. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. My thoughts. Uh,
2: we will see. We will see what hmm. whatever that line means. But um. But yeah. Um. So yeah. I when you mentioned this, uh, th- this was one of those angles that I think probably most people forgot by the end of the show. Hmm.
1: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
2: It's now time for the emergency AH AHFO board meeting inside of the ring. And Matt Hardy wants to start off fresh. But Andrade wants to fire him from the company. Hardy apologizes. He transforms into an asshole when he puts on that suit. And Andrade is going to hold a vote. And Matt says that's pointless because there's no way Private Party would vote me out. So you're not going to have enough votes. Andrade puts his thumbs down. Jose votes Matt out. And Private Party put their thumbs up. But then behind Matt's back, the thumbs go down. And the crowd cannot believe this. And Andrade says you always need to watch your back. Hardy turns around to see that his kids, as he referred to them as, have turned on him. They all attack Matt and this crowd. It was like a light went off. They might as well have just been all programmed that the second Matt gets attacked, they're all chanting, Jeff, 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 and Jose brings a chair into the ring. Darby's music plays, and he comes out with Sting. They are fighting the AHFO when Jeff Hardy and his uh, the Hardys old wwe theme starts playing and this place goes insane as jeff comes out and uh this guy was soaking it up he had a save to make but he was going to enjoy this this pop
0: had they been using that theme like outside of the wwe this this was a theme that was it's not owned by the wwe yeah like it's this would,
2: this would show up on like spike. Um, on spike and like mm-hmm. different like commercials like you would hear this theme out there so this was not a wwf specific theme so that I, I'm sure contributed to them getting around this, but it was like the perfect song to hit that you're gonna elicit uh, a pop as as opposed to some random peroxygen track.
0: <laughs> Clearly, absolutely. Yeah. I mean at some point if they switch to the delete characters, they can, you know, go go with the uh, obsolete or, or whatever it's called. It, it, it's called. Um it's co- it's called Loaded? Is it what is that the the one? Yeah, Loaded, Loaded by Zack Tempest. So, uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. And interesting, like, you know, they they never used it in other promotions, unless I'm mistaken.
2: So he comes out, it's a huge pop, and he hits a swanton bomb on the blade, hugs Matt. That was, like, a great scene. And then they have kind of this, like, face-off with Darby and Sting, which was interesting at the end of it.
0: It really was. Yeah, that I mean I think you know many of us expected uh, Jeff Hardy to eventually show up in this segment, but what I didn't expect was that Darby Allen would somehow be attached to it and I I'm not exactly sure what the intent was by ha- co- you know them telling Darby to look shocked with your jaw literally, you know, hanging. <laughs> they had Darby like
2: <laughs> Darby is not watching YouTube <laughs> interviews that Jeff Hardy is conducting. Uh, obviously.
0: No, obviously not, but they had Darby like basically look <laughs> Oh man, who am I thinking? Like I, I want to say like Ruby Soho, <laughs> but, but with uh, her his mouth instead of his eyes. <laughs> like it almost looked comical. Like like Darby looked shocked, <laughs> and it was just like <laughs> like the whole time. But um, I guess it, I guess Jeff and Sting they're gonna have to one up each other on their balcony dives. All three of them about so. it, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting because like I mean, it, um. I think, I think, you know, Darby Allen clearly, I think many people, um, they compare him to Jeff Hardy as like AEW in this generation's version of Jeff Hardy. So Tony Khan, I think, clearly understands that. And, you know, for Jeff Hardy's first appearance in his company, pairing those two names together, I'm kind of curious to see where it goes.
2: Yeah, I think that you've set up a few things here. Like you can do the Hardys and Private Party. You can do the Hardys and eventually do like Sting and Darby. There's even like the Butcher and the Blade. Like you can go through a few kind of just... You know, just build up to, like the Hardys first match in AEW and then you move on to something uh of more substance. But you already saw like Matt Hardy put out like this YouTube video that he had taped in advance of, you know, this is the Hardys wanting to go for the tag titles that they have not won yet. Yeah. <laughs> Darby looks like Tozawa <laughs> after a kiss from Tamina. Uh so there you go. That was one of the big uh, moments of the show. And then Shivani's with Shane Strickland, who will debut on Rampage. Tony Nice walks in, and he doesn't think Shivani was as excited when Tony Nice debuted as he was for Shane Strickland. That is a fact. And Shane doesn't have an opponent on Friday, so Nice offers. And Shane says, let's revisit our Friday night's. And I will bless you because this isn't niece's house. I did think Strickland cut a very good promo here. I just wish he had a bigger presence because he got over really big on Sunday. The audience took to him. And I just think that immediate show after, let's make this feel big rather than it's like it almost felt like he was crammed into this show that you might have missed.
0: Uh, they just have, they have they have like three people debuting every single week, John, you know, and, and at some point it's like. Keith Lee, like you know, felt like yesterday's, like last month's news. Buddy, Buddy Matthews and Eric Redbeard, <laughs> like remember that guy? Jay remember Lee what? Yeah, remember when, Like remember when Tony Neese debuted? Like no, what, what the hell was this like? Why was Tony Nieves like in the crowd like week after week? What was the point of that? He was scouting.
2: He was scouting, and then he got for his TNT. He got his TNT title match.
0: He needed to scout for that. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, well, we'll see them on uh, on 205 Rampage on Friday night. Then Shivani is back into the ring. This guy, I wonder what his Fitbit read by the end of the show. He's out in the ring to bring out Wardlow, who is still under contract to MJF. But he had to decide whether I'm going to continue to help someone else achieve their goals and dreams or achieve my own. I was disrespected by MJF and thought I was leaving the circus, but I just left one cage for another by joining Max. He knew he wasn't a good person. He's trash. But the fact is, I grew up poor. I had a mother that struggled to raise me and my older sisters. And this was an opportunity to provide for my family. Through working with MJF, I made a lot of money. It changed my life. But he disrespected me and threatened my family. And I've decided that I decided uh, his fate was decided after he slapped me last week and no longer gives a damn about his contract. I am no longer his bodyguard or a member of the pinnacle. I am finally free, which is not how contracts work, Wardlow. And he hopes that MJF just releases him from this BS contract so they can go their separate ways. And I'm going for another contract. And it's mine to take. It's my time to take the AEW world by storm because it is Wardlow's world. And I thought Wardlow did a tremendous job for like the first time he's been like given like substantial promo time. I thought he came off very well in this segment
0: i think so too this was i mean a lot of airtime and a lot of dialogue you know and to give to a guy who traditionally has been the silent muscle in his stable so um considering all of that i the biggest promo of his career certainly the longest promo of his career i thought he showed some decent confidence here but you know obviously he's now just in a position where he needs experience he needs a lot more experience you know in order to i think you know for him to reach the potential that they clearly have, you know, slotted for, for him. And uh this is setting him on, on that track to get it.
2: Marvez is with Keith Lee and QT Marshall and QT says they have a common enemy in Team Taz and the factory and QT have Keith Lee's back, but he says I've got a very large back. I'm good and he walks off. This is gonna be a match. Didn't seem like it was right. that much of a disagreement, right. but now they're they're going to war on
0: Friday. Oh QT I think is just like you know looking for his next person to take a beating from every month
2: aew tag titles jungle boy and luchasaurus against the acclaimed the acclaimed wrapped about they're gonna go down like the price of gas jungle boy can't grow pubes and they're number one like the batman at the box office
0: yeah yeah are you gonna check it out the batman mm.
2: or the price of gas
0: um i guess you would have to check out one to get to the other
2: i guess so maybe um no, no, I'm probably not going to go watch Batman, unless, unless you come back and say it's the greatest thing ever.
0: Well, other people have said it, but I must warn you, I I, I believe it's a three-hour movie.
2: So oh, get out of here. It's a definite, no. Wait, way too long. The gun clubs in the in the crowd, we don't know for what reason. They didn't play any factor into this. Uh, so this uh, they went through picture-in-picture. Picture. The Acclaimed avoided a double choke slam. Luchasaurus ducked a boombox shot. And then we saw uh, Bowens knock Jungle Boy off balance off the top. Luchasaurus gets sent to the floor. There's a mic drop by Caster. Luchasaurus makes the save. And then Luchasaurus grabs the boombox. Caster kicks it into him. And the Acclaimed uh, go for this double-team maneuver. It was almost like um, Killer Elite Squad's killer bomb, but then into a spike pile driver. And Jungle Boy kicked out of this. Um So I imagine they'll be utilizing this more often. And then Cage pulls Caster out of the ring. Jungle Boy is with Bowens, and they do the spot where it's the Greco-Roman knuckle lock where Jungle Boy scales the ropes into the doomsday device. Tail Whip sends Caster to the floor, and Jungle Boy pins Bowens in 9 minutes, 28 seconds, and they retain the tag titles.
0: Really fast match. Crowd seemed like they really liked it. I'm sorry, I don't have much to say about it. This was where I had to take a mental break from from the show. I, I just I had to catch up. Somehow. This is a
2: lot coming at everybody at uh, at a pretty furious speed. Um, nice tag match uh, for for what it was. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was. Um, you know, you're coming off that that three way, and that's not maybe a, a fair comparison. But nonetheless, fine uh, fine tag match that yes, the audience was was into, and some some creative offense I would say from both teams. Cargill and Mark Sterling are going over all the opponents that Cargill has beaten, asking who is left because the next goal is going 30-0 and and issues an open challenge. And Jade asks, who wants to step up and receive her kiss of death? Layla Hirsch against Thunder Rosa. Uh, Thunder Rosa's left quad was uh, taped up here. There were forearm strikes by Hirsch and then Rosas placed into the, the Tree of Woe. Uh, through the commercial, Hirsch gets caught on the top and is hit with a superplex and then, uh, Hirsch snaps Thunder Rosa's arm on the bottom rope and grabs the turnbuckle that she used to attack Chris Statlander with. But this time, Red Velvet shows up and sends Hirsch back into the ring without the weapon. And Thunder Rosa goes for the Fire Thunder Driver. It's countered to an arm bar, rope break, and then Hirsch misses with the knee. And this time takes the Fire Thunder Driver in 8 minutes and 54 seconds. This was a bit of a come down for the audience. And it was definitely late into the show. And I'd say it was more pronounced tonight because... You were like, you were like traveling down like like the autobahn and then getting off onto a residential street. So it was like you're just you've got vertigo at, at this point on this show. So this was kind of like a um, getting your equilibrium back type of match.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, um, I I felt like it it kind of lost a bit of steam towards the end, and and maybe again maybe it was a crowd that was a bit more tired for something like this. Uh, also, just probably a, a bad slot on the show.
2: And Red Velvet is checking on Thunder Rosa after, but Shivani gets in to say next week it's St. Patrick's day slam, the event where the lights out match took place last year. And this time it's for the title and it will be in Thunder Rosa's hometown of San Antonio inside a steel cage. And I would presume that headlines to show on top of it.
0: I would think so too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think this is the moment that we would see the title change, um, I I felt like when, you know, Rosa heard the announcement, like she, you know, I mean, in character has to look very excited. But I think it, like it, it looked very genuine to me because I think it's the realization that she's about to get her moment in front of her hometown finally, which is uh, very exciting for her.
2: And which seeing the layout of that, I think that's a way better direction than if they had done it at the pay-per-view. Like this mm-hmm. will be way more meaningful instead of being in the middle of like a stack pay-per-view. They're going to get their main event on TV in her hometown. That'll be way more um substantial than mm-hmm. just doing it this past Sunday. So yeah. um everything seems to point towards that and like a real big Thunder Rosa victory next week. Britt Baker reacts with Jamie Hayter and rebel and asks why she doesn't have to go to the back of the line. She calls this conspiracy shit and asks, where was Mercedes Martinez? So that is part of the story that uh, we brought up on Sunday. Like where was Mercedes to help uh, thunder Rosa? She's not afraid of thunder Rosa or a steel cage. And what happens if this Carney riffraff becomes champion last year, thunder Rosa got the pin, but who really won? So a nice promo here from Britt Baker to set up the match for next week. So uh, that is on tap in the cage. And then we've got the TNT title match with Wardlow challenging and the six-man tag with Hangman, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy against Red Dragon and Adam Cole announced thus far. Rampage on Friday, which is being taped now, we'll see Jamie Hader against Mercedes Martinez, Darby Allen against Mark Quinn, Keith Lee versus QT Marshall, and Swerve versus Tony Meese is a nice lineup for Rampage. Yeah. Yeah, it usually
0: is. The
2: main event way, title versus streak. Were you aware of this streak? I was not. No. This please. one's a lot more legitimate than Happy Corbin because uh, Scorpio Sky has legitimately not lost a singles match in AEW since March 10th of last year. Wow. During okay. that time, they, the men of the year lost a tag match to Darby and Sting. And Scorpio Sky lost a match outside of AEW. But that's it. Those are the only losses in the last year that he has had. And not a singles one
0: in AEW. Has he had many significant wins though?
2: Um, it's, it's not like, uh, I, I would say like a lot of them have been on like dark and elevation. So that has certainly propped it up. But um, yeah, they, right. they have quietly kept him largely unbeaten for a year, which um, I don't think many people were aware of until they pointed this out recently. Hmm. So Ethan Page and Dan Lambert are out with Scorpio Sky. The match starts. Scorpio Sky goes goes for the Jorge Masvidal flying knee to Ben Askren, but he misses. (laughs) This is a great start to the match. Uh, They go to the floor. Guevara sets up a table, and he goes to the top, and dude misses a 630 going through this table. This looked insane. They go to picture-in-picture. Ty Conti runs down to check on Sammy Guevara. The trainers are out, and... Sky is just killing time in the ring. Uh, there are no count outs apparently here. So, um, and
0: and, and uh, is this our first on-screen acknowledgement of uh, Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara being On-screen,
2: yes. yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was the acknowledgement there. And then he's being helped to the back, but then he comes back and rejoins the match. And you've got the intensity picking up here with the strike. Sky is just going to the body with big knees from the clinch and... Guevara violently gets thrown out of the ring. I thought Ty Conti was great here. Like, she was just in so much distress here, looking after Sammy, who is just dying.
0: I mean, it, it reminded me of the type of match that we saw with uh, Will Ospreay and Michael Oku and Ty Conti uh, playing Amira Blair mm-hmm. in this match.
2: Yeah, Sky... Was a great heel here. He's getting into uh, Ty Conti's face, saying you can't help him. Here, I'm gonna kiss him for you, and he kisses him on the cheek. I, I thought this was some of Scorpio Sky's like best uh, mm-hmm. like heel work. And then all of a sudden, Paige Van Zant is in the front row and gets right into Conti's face. She's seated next to Austin Vanderfort. The crowd is chanting for Sammy, and Guevara lands a kick and hits the springboard cutter, but Sky kicks out. Sky then goes to the TKO, it's stopped, and Guevara is struggling, and he gets him up for the GTH, but Sky rolls to the rope, and he can't be pinned, so Guevara is going for broke, he goes to the top, shooting star press, and the injured ribs land on the knees. Dan Lambert gets onto the onto the apron to distract Bryce Runsberg as Ty Conti pulls Ethan Page off of the apron and gets attacked by Paige Van Zant and run into the steps. This distracts uh, Guevara, who is then hit by the TKO from Scorpio Sky, and Sky pins Guevara to become the new TNT champion. And then after, Paige Van Zant lays out Conti with a kick and signs her contract on top of Ty Conti.
0: Yeah, on her butt.
2: Yeah, this was like Punk uh, signing his WWE contract on the ROH belt.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good match, of course. You know, got a lot set up here. Uh, we got Ty Conti versus Paige Van Zant. We were wondering who the opponent was going to be for Paige now that Brandy wasn't here. And I think Ty Conti is a great choice. And Absolutely. possibly
2: like a, a a mixed tag that you could do here with Guevara and Ty if you want to in- involve like Scorpio Sky or Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. Um. Totally. Lots of options here. I, I was very impressed with this main event. They had a lot to follow on this show. Scorpio Sky was terrific. And Sammy Guevara is just uh, another level. I, I was very impressed with this main event.
0: Yeah. You know, like I think earlier on, like when he when he had the TNT championship, I, I really wasn't feeling the Sammy run so much. But in the last month or so, the man has had some really incredible in-ring performances with the belt. So I think history will look back on his run pretty favorably. But uh, yeah, we wonder what next for what's next for him. You know, he's no longer a part of the inner circle. Um, I I want to see more of him. You know, on screen with Ty Conti as like maybe this sort of mixed tag pair. That sounds really interesting to me. Um, and you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, like you know, with Sky winning the belt, I think traditional booking would indicate that Wardlow next week would win. Is that is that too predictable? You know, it or- depends where they go with this MJF thing.
2: Like MJF could. Return on next week's show and that kind of detours Wardlow from the TNT title. He gets, you know, the title match is is robbed from him. Um, Hmm. I mean, you could put the title on Wardlow. I I don't know if you should do that, but I, I think it really depends where how this MJF program is mapped out.
0: Yeah, I also wonder if, you know, um, people would be upset if, like, Scorpio Sky was only a tra- transitional champion, you know, as somebody who I, I think many people consider under undervalued, underutilized.
2: I- yeah. I'd keep it with him. I, I saw a yeah. lot in him tonight. Like, he really stepped up in this, his, this big role. Wardlow's got a program. Like, the title should be this elusive goal for his. I don't mm-hmm. think, like, once you get the title, like, then what?
0: Um, you're yeah. not going
2: to have MJF programmed well over he the did TNT.
0: he did set his sights for the world championship um but i mean of course he should say that every every wrestler should say that
2: i just think sky needs the title a lot more than wardlow right now that i, I would not switch it and you've got mm-hmm. this angle ready with with wardlow but um yeah i really really enjoyed this this main event so um my my, my criticism of the show is just there, there was just so much it was just overwhelming um of just so many angles on this show that it was uh, hard to keep up and maybe maybe in a different setting if you're not uh you know paying attention to every single segment like as long as the key stuff lands that that's what you want to do but i always hate when you're like shooting angles and they're just going to be forgotten because bigger stuff is naturally going to be like a tidal wave
0: yeah yeah it's hard for me from like my perspective to, to say you know what what's whether or not that works or not because i'm I'm talking about it from the perspective of somebody who has to take notes and pay attention in detail to every single segment so that I can come up with something to say for every single segment for a podcast. And it can be very frustrating when you're doing it with a show that's this How would you feel fast. about
2: us just having a conversation about this show if you had no notes?
0: If I had no notes, yeah, I'd be curious to try. Yeah, would you want to try that one week where we don't take notes and just just talk about the results? Uh, we could. Sure. Okay. Yeah, why don't we? That'd be overwhelming. I think we'd miss a lot of stuff, but we could we could always we could try. just look at the results. Like this person beats this person.
2: Like, there's no way Tully Blanchard was
0: fired on this show. There's no. The show would be I faster. Clearly, we we get the show. It'd kind of be like our our NXT reviews, like on the on the daily update. Uh, but
2: there you go. Very newsworthy show. You cannot deny that a lot happened on this show and very curious to see the number like they're they're coming off the pay-per-view which is traditionally a lot of momentum for for dynamite uh i think jeff hardy i don't think that was like a uh, purposely was not a well-kept secret so you had that intrigue and they did like a crazy like last couple of hours of push so this was really designed at like online promotion for the show and word circulating of man all this stuff is happening i don't want to miss this show because it
0: feels important i just don't think that was effective at least not for me like I'm not, you know, if you're not online between the hours of uh, what is it, six o'clock to eight o'clock, you wouldn't know at all. So I mean, are we giving them too much credit? Like, could could it just be that they didn't have a card until six o'clock?
2: Um, I I would would venture to guess that they probably had the show mapped out. Um, like,
0: why wouldn't he have announced it on Busted Open when he announced the other Moxley and Brian teaming together?
2: I I mean, I don't think that it was necessary like the news was danielson and moxie are teaming up that alone is like a news cycle and every site runs with it and then we're going to introduce the opponents later I-, I don't think jd drake and anthony henry god but, bless but page
0: defending the belt i think significant
2: yeah yeah i would have i would have wanted to announce like an aw title match regardless of like if it's a dante martin or not that that is something that should be promoted for more than two hours i
0: think i agree with you
2: definitely mm-hmm. So let's go to forum.postwrestling.com.
0: Do we have any Super Chats? Yeah, we do, actually. Thank let's you for do those first. Uh, reminding me. Yeah, we got a frequent supporter of the show. Ruza sends Rooza. a seven ninety nine dollars Australian dollar Super Chat, and he says, Happy birthday, John. Use this for a Tim Hortons coffee. Dynamite was insane. Regal is king. Can't wait for double or nothing already. Rosa Baker, let's fucking go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. A seven ninety nine Australian dollar coffee. I think that that can get you a couple coffees. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Set thank it up. You. Thank you, thank you, Rusa. All right, forum.postwrestling.com, where all of our patrons, after every single one of these shows, can leave their feedback. Uh, do you want to start, John?
2: We go first to Bruce Lord, a promo and angle-heavy and angle episode of Dynamite, but also one which gave some TV time to up-and-coming talents. Uh, I, it seemed very significant to me that Sting was in the ring for Hardy's debut, especially after Kingston and Regal's promos referred to very real-world events and personal demons. All in all, a very entertaining turning of the page. After a fantastic pay-per-view, Regal's still phenomenal, and the AHFO is finally finished, and Wardlow can actually promo. Who knew? How would you guys like to see the reunited Hardys used in the short term? Should they team or feud with Darby and Sting before moving on to the Bucks match? I think we're all looking forward to. I think the Bucks should be you know down the road, like when they, and maybe like something like double or nothing constitutes down the road potentially. Mm-hmm. It's it's like I would imagine they have. I, I I would venture to guess the double or nothing. They at least know maybe your your top couple of matches. I would imagine the main event. They know where they're going for double or nothing, which is going to help when you're just booking backwards, but. Yeah, another option here that we didn't even mention is do the eight-man first. Do the Hardys with Darby and Sting against the HFO, and then you – like, they set up essentially like three to four matches just with that run-in tonight, Mm -hmm. and you can get a lot of mileage out of just the Hardys – Having an 8 man, and then they're, the Hardys having a tag match together, and then Jeff Hardy has his first singles match, and then we move up to like Darby and Sting against the Hardys. That's a big match, especially if you could do it in like you know somewhere of significance for um, the Hardys. And then yeah, you have the Bucks. You have so many teams. The Express. The Hardys and FTR, the Hardys and Santana and Ortiz, like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different options of where you can go that I think they will get a lot more mileage out of this Hardys reunion than they did in 2017, where it felt like within within a month, they had kind of exhausted it.
0: I think so, too. But I'm also curious to see, like, how the current version of the Hardys is able to match up stylistically with, I mean, the AEW standard, which is a lot more oh, There's going uh, to be a
2: high expectation for these matches.
0: Yeah. And I think, I you know, I, I think we've seen Jeff can still go at a pretty high level. Matt, I'm not as sure about, you know. And, and when it's one thing for Matt Hardy to wrestle as part of the HFO as, like, the third man, you know, next to private party. It's another for him to have to live up to the expectations of a Hardy boy style match. So, um, you know, I'd love to see them like if it means adjusting your style to to adapt to, to your limitations so that you work smarter, but work differently. I'm very curious to see if there's that evolution of the Hardy Boys
2: and for the Hardys. And this is a positive when we talk about the like the roster size at AEW, They do not need to be wrestling every week. They don't have to be wrestling every other week. Like mm-hmm. they're I would like make it special when when they are wrestling, and it gives them the ability, like especially for for a mat to like to be going all out. Um, that these tag matches are are going to require a bit more than what he's been doing. Um, you know, to to space those matches out, those big mm-hmm. performances.
0: We got a Brian from New Jersey who says, "A heck of a show to follow Revolution. I did not see Scorpio's win coming, but it came off as a big deal." I love the opening segment ending in the emergence of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Loved Re- Regal's promo. And the book ending matches were the big in-ring highlights. But the stuff across the show as much as – but fun stuff across the show as much as there was.
2: Yeah, I, I would say like those uh, – that that opening angle was terrific with Jericho and Kingston. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the Hardy Arrival and the Scorpio Sky title change. I would say those those three things should be your big – I think takeaways from the show Uh, Jesse from the six. I feel like breaking up the inner circle, the AHFO and the pinnacle on one show was a bit much. And the commentators just went along for the ride. Like, well, the inner circle broke up. Here's a championship match. (laughs) FTR firing Tully really came out of the blue. What, why is it about, why is it about family for Dax? Is this question? Why did the young bucks or red dragon do to his family? Is Scorpio sky just Stan Stasiak here (laughs) transitioning the belt from one face to another, or does MJF present Wardlow? From winning the TNT belt next week, I mean, it's it's certainly possible you could do a, a title switch next week. Um, you have to see how how it how it is done before uh, you have like a conclusion to it.
0: The family thing that Dax was harping on kind of threw me off a little bit there too. Um, but I I mean I think he's simply referring to how um you know it's it's about it their careers right something to that to that, to that effect yeah. But Tully was on the same wavelength, was he not? He's saying like I, I he's can't- got a family too. No, no, it totally was like, I book I, I, I want to become your manager to lead you to championships, which would obviously benefit their families. But why why did they get upset about that?
2: This required a lot more than like 90 seconds backstage. That's my conclusion. Maybe. And maybe
0: sure. this could have been on another show. But but I think I think Jesse's right in that like a lot of these I mean, these pay-per-views should be sort of like your mid-season finales where, like, you get a kind of fresh change of direction. Yeah. But because of that reason, though, so much changes so, so fast, you know, in the span of, like, one episode. And I'll say maybe a lot of those transitions could be done better. You know, like Tully being uh, kicked out, you could have built up to that a bit more. Even Matt Hardy turning babyface, I think you could have slowly sowed the seeds a little bit better than just him being like, "I'm a good guy now." Wow, well, why do you want to kick me out? Uh, here's my brother. I'm a good guy again. You know, like a lot of this stuff, I think was was a bit hastily put together.
2: I mean, the Matt stuff they they have been doing like the erratic stuff with Matt, and at least like hint, what hinting what
0: at it. what about that was hinting towards a babyface direction though.
2: I mean that you were you were just sowing the seeds here with the problem. Like he was getting frustrated with private party, he walked out on them into into the into the arena. So they, I mean,
0: they they've been sowing the seeds. But that's now. him being a heel. Like that's not my making me want like. I okay. So him walking out on them, I justify no, was their, their justification to, to, to want to vote vote him out. Yes. So why am I supposed to feel bad for Matt?
2: Uh Because you don't like HFO.
0: Okay, that's, that's yeah. The, I just I don't think it was that well done.
2: I didn't read this though as the end of like uh, the end of Matt in the group but that the, the remains of it I think all stick together.
0: Yeah. Within, yeah, within Matt Matt's air. gone. It's just the yeah, A-F- yeah. AFO.
2: Right. Whatever you yeah, the AFO. Okay.
0: So you got yeah. AFO and AFI. Now all Oh, you know, there you go. AW. Okay, we got a muggin who says a rather story driven episode of dynamite. The inner circle has come to an end. Wardlow passed his first test on the mic with Flying Cover Colors. Hangman Martin was good and, Cole, and the Cole story isn't over yet. I didn't expect Sky to win the TNT title, and with Wardlow being promised the winner, I suspect Friedman will throw a monkey wrench in San Antonio.
2: Okay, we go on to, uh, to MJ from NJ here. He says, uh, Can we add Moxley and Brian to Eddie and Proud and Powerful and have blood and guts too with Inner Circle 2.0? No, they are not an Inner Circle 2.0, the Jericho Appreciation Society. Do you think mm-hmm. that name's going to stick? I don't know. <laughs> the Easter eggs, intentional or unintentional, continue to be great. The Regal mocks and Brian connections, and then Jeff Hardy and Sting sharing a ring. Uh, that's a rematch I'd like to see. The Best Friends group. Must be very big draws to keep getting on shows despite is, the time. Is,
0: is MJ insinuating that it's, it's a TNA Easter egg, having Jeff Hardy and Sting being in the ring together?
2: I mean, you, you have, like, Jeff Hardy has said, like, Sting was, like, one of his favorites growing up uh, as well. So... There's there's that hmm. um, and then yeah of course of course TNA who who forgets Victory Road 2011
0: right right hmm. interesting okay
2: uh, it goes on is anyone else turned off by Ty and Sammy's on air relationship he literally proposed to his former fiance less than eight months ago I I mean it's a it's a couple that that broke up and he's with someone new now I, I don't see like. Why would you have a problem with that?
0: We don't like you don't know why somebody breaks up. You, we don't know why somebody gets together. Like, it's it's not that much of our business. Like, these they're, are they're just human playing human characters.
2: Dance. Absolutely. Um, he goes on. The show is a whirlwind. Some fully packed nights for AW. Wonder if it's overkill.
0: Um, Is it overkill? I don't know. Oh, Jay from Colorado says lots of real talk tonight. One of the things I love about AEW is how honest the performers can be in their promos. It makes everybody so much more relatable in contrast to the WWE where everybody is portrayed as a larger-than-life character. It's such an organic way to not only create baby faces, but to build the foundation of a character. I'm so thankful for the freedom they give performers and promos on this show. It doesn't always work, but when it does, it's magic.
2: You certainly had some great promos on the show. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was definitely a strength of the show. As well. And there you go. A very busy edition of dynamite coming off of the pay-per-view and now way you can go back and you can rewatch dynamite and give us your updated thoughts. I'll watch
0: it in half speed just to fully digest everything.
2: There were so many things I I missed there in the, uh, in the, the nuance of
0: some of these segments, Alan. uh, Hey, Alan Cunahan, Alan Forrell himself says, guarantee you guys would be absolutely fine doing the show with no notes you'd enjoy the whole experience more and would likely never go back. Well, maybe we'll try it, Alan. We, yeah, we'll maybe see. we will. um, anyway, where well, you're not allowed. You're not even allowed to, to, to touch your pen.
2: Yeah. Listen, this was, it, it was a show that flew by because you never had any, any time to stop. Like this is a fast moving show. And for the most part, it's, it's high quality stuff. Like it's, the matches are generally at a, at a certain level. Promos are generally very, very strong. Mm. Um, there's just a lot thrown at you, and I guess um, you know for some like that's that's totally fine, and you're gonna. It's
0: the op- It's so funny how like we're dealing with two shows that are so opposite. Like on Monday, okay, on Wednesday it's the show that like has so much content, way too much content to fill into two hours, and on Monday it's the three hour show with really one hour of content, if that. So I mean, I'm not I'm not asking for dynamite to to go three hours, but at least you know in terms of pacing, like one would really kind of like the, there's a happy medium somewhere.
2: Yeah. It listen in the heyday of like TNA, like their shows, they moved fast and it was like thousands of angles thrown at you. And by the end of it, like it, I remember some of those shows we did and do, I would not be exaggerating that I would have like three, four pages of notes for a two hour show. It was just insane how much stuff they would cram into two hours. Mm-hmm. It was always a happy medium. Yes. At the end of it all. Okay. That is going to wrap up the show. Uh, we are going to be back on Thursday, live at 1 p.m. Eastern time with the post-daily news show. So we will be uh, chatting about the uh, the upcoming WWE 2K22 release and then going over all of the latest news uh, as well. We'll chat about uh, NXT numbers. We've got some, uh, some interesting on-sales. It's a big day for AEW on Friday because they have their public on-sales for the... Uh, shows in Baltimore, Houston, Bo- uh, their first California shows that are coming up in June and that Detroit show at Little Caesars Arena. So they, those are all going on sale. The pre-sale Thursday and then the public on sale is uh, Friday and seeing what they draw at the Forum and Detroit, which I believe that arena is like 18,000 or something. It's it's a gigantic arena. I don't know what it will be scaled for for professional wrestling, but um, it's a it's a notable day.
0: Okay, we shall see.
2: Okay, we are going to sign off. Thanks to everybody for tuning in live here at youtube.com slash postwrestling. Subscribe to the channel. Give a thumbs up on the video. We will be back here on the channel uh, for the daily news show and then Friday night for the first part of Rewind a Smackdown. So that is it. Thank you for watching.